we we obtained a recording of the um of the Tesla earnings call uh, where a certain Mr. Elon Musk was responding to some very interesting questions from potential investors. Yes, um, uh, hello. It's great. It's great to have you all here today on the on the earnings call. Um, I, I I must warn you, I'm not going to answer any any boring questions. But if you do have any any productive uh, questions about what we're doing here at Tesla, I'd be very very pleased to answer those. Yes, uh, Mr. Musk, Mr. Musk, how, how do you actually? It seems like you've only produced uh, I don't know about a hundred cars. Uh, how are you actually proposing to make this company profitable? No, actually, that's a, that's a very boring, boneheaded question. I'm not going to answer like sort of counterproductive questions like that because that's just a, that's not not in the spirit of what we do here. Um, uh, th- does anyone else have any questions that aren't boring or nerdy? Mr. Musk, Mr. Musk, what do you feel about hot brev- beverages? I, I guess. P- please go on. Just generally, I'm interested in your thoughts, Mr. Musk, because you clearly operate on a level that's seven planes above us. Yeah, that is actually, I, I actually live on seven planes. I, I rotate them in and out. <laughs> Sorry, what, what, what was your question about, about, about the hot beverages? Elon Musk, I, I, I heard that you had found a new website that you were thinking about buying. It be, I, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, of course, you're, you're referring to my, my, new, my new company, uh, coffeeisasoup.com. <laughs> um, there have been a lot of people, you know, in, in the media, and they say that you know, uh, coffee is not a soup; that it's some kind of a, a, a broth, perhaps, or a, or or a hot beverage. And I just think that's that's not true. You know, those people they don't they don't know about physics. You know, I've I've actually a, a, d- a degree in physics, and I can tell you that um, you're a genius, you know, Mr. Musk. Despite a man who who is the owner of an accent which is not not really from anywhere in particular. You know, it sort of veers wildly between sort of a Calif- California, British, and South African, but. What I have always been passionate about in my life is the fact that coffee is in fact a soup. It should be it should be consumed with a spoon, um, from a bowl, um, and in front of a mother who loves you. Uh, Mr. Mr. Musk, Mr. Musk, um, sorry, I, I'm from the Washington Post. I wanted to know um, how, how come your 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 factories have so much worse safety records than Jeff Bezos's factories. I mean, all your workers are getting crushed. His are only shitting themselves. How do you respond? I mean, I, I think that's just an, an incredibly, an incredibly, you know, sort of dorky, try-hard question that you ask there. I don't really understand why. You know, can't we can't we talk about you know my my flamethrowers perhaps, which I, I think are incredibly uh, raw, raw XD, uh, you know, over nine thousand. Mister Musk, what, what? How do you respond to criticism that you laid off? You laid off at least ten percent of your workforce while you also launched a company producing flamethrowers just just because you thought it would be funny look what i say to that is you know you, you've got to break a few eggs to to, to make an omelet or or in this case in fact you you've got to you know uh, fire a few low-income workers in order to arm mike sanovich with a flamethrower but you know that that's uh, that's by the by really i mean the main thing is that i'm doing really really cool shit um and that's something you've got to remember you know a lot, a lot of people who buy testers you know they they watch very intelligent television programs like like, like rick Jake and morty Paul. And therefore, they understand that these things are just more important. <laughs> uh, f- final, final question. Final question, Mr. Musk. Uh, what do you plan to do now that this earnings call is coming to a close? Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna close down the call. I'm gonna crank it really hard, and then as I come, I'm gonna say, uh, "Wubba lubba dub dub." My workers are oppressed, and my cars don't work. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, 
Hello and welcome again. Uh, following our very interesting business recording of business tycoon and hyper genius, uh, Elon Musk. Business recording is what I call my sex tape. <laughs> whose whose thoughts are just are uninterpretable uh, to us. He's he's like a French president in His that way. Are in fact, fact, thoughts. Yeah, I mean, uh, Elon Musk and Emmanuel Macron are basically the same person at this point. You know when he um, you know when the letter, you know when the letter leaked regarding the um the layoffs. So mm-hmm. he like laid off a bunch of people from his companies uh earlier this week, and he didn't want it coming out, but somehow it did. And I went on the tweet where because he still he still like got his ongoing war with like journalists who say that maybe Tesla isn't treating their workers you know, as well as they could be, you know, you know, just maybe like toilet breaks would be nice, you know, unionization options, things like that. So I went on the comment. Look, if you're, if you're, if your workers can't, you know, shit themselves at work, that's really going to cut down on efficiency. It's a big problem. <laughs> well, it's, it's freedom, you know, they're not forced to go use the bathroom. They're allowed to shit themselves wherever they want. In my opinion, <laughs> that's real freedom. The production line is like diapers for all of the stuff. Right. The, the left wants to wants to wants to restrict all shitting to the designated bathrooms. That's the thing, right? Public toilets are big government, and if you're a true libertarian, then you would really advocate being allowed to shit anywhere you want, whether that's in your pants Absolutely. or whether that's On outside the the of the basilica. You know, just generally. But I was looking into. I was looking at the comments of Elon's tweet. And it was really amazing. Like there were there were a bunch of comments which were basically just like, you know, I know that letting go let letting go of people must have been hard must have been hard for you, Mr. Musk, but keep on with your vision. We're all really inspired by you. Or there was another one which was just like, um, you know, you'll get you'll get criticized by the left and the SJWs for firing people and they'll say that you've hurt their families, but keep on keep on going, Mr. Musk. You're an inspiration to us. Like all these really weird, all these really weird comments that like you wouldn't you wouldn't really read if like Mark Zuckerberg like announced the same <laughs> thing online or like any other of these like tech douchebags. Well it's because he's the epic bacon guy. And these the are thing, all right? Reddit people. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, everyone knows that Mike's, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have emotions, therefore they don't tweet at him in that way. Whereas for Elon Musk, they're all like wild subs. Like, <laughs> it's like the equivalent of reading a tweet that's like, oh, from at Jack, uh, at Rose. I know it must have been really hard letting go of me and letting me drown in the North Atlantic, but I really want you to keep going with your vision. It's very important. If if Twitter was made, if, if, if the Titanic was made in the Twister age, at Jack would actually be Jack Dorsey and he would let his girlfriend drown because that would be the most rational thing to do after he spent the whole film reading Ayn yeah. Rand. Look, there's no, you can't you can't come on this floating piece of door jetsam with me because there's too many Nazis on it and I can't get rid of them. Oh my god, <laughs> no objectivist reasons. Titanic? Are you joking? <laughs> like where obje- an objectivist Titanic, the lifeboat, like there's a complicated means testing system for all of the lifeboats <laughs> and 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 Jack doesn't let Rose in the door <laughs> anyone, because it doesn't satisfy his self-interest. Kind of caramel on the Dulux color chart has to show a British passport to get in the life Ro- Rose would be Rose would be drowning and she'd be like Jack there's space on the blood there's space on the door let me on and Jack would say for my best type of thinking for my best type of chakras I need stretching space Rose 
<laughs> Rose, don't, wouldn't, don't you understand that it's more beautiful that I am allowed to meditate on how I'm actually going to sell a genetic prototype piece <laughs> oh, wait, no, to but... the U.S. government that will allow them to create an, a new race of super soldiers? I need to the meditate. The take would be there isn't even a door because Elon Musk has fired it into space for some kind of reason. <laughs> just, just for reasons. No need, yeah. no need to question what those reasons are. So yeah, Elon. Do you think they have doors on Mars? I've never seen one. Oh yeah, Every, a normal call uh, where he's. Ha- I, I mean, he must hate having to answer boring ass questions like, "Is your company making money? <laughs> and how come you're profitable even though you've made like twenty cars? <laughs> and isn't it just that you're padding your overall profits profit? Um, you're padding your overall profit margin by just letting employee after employee go. Like it's." Yeah. When it comes down to it, it's going to show that this whole grift is basically just him and a bunch of internet fans. And like the most they've ever been able to do is like assemble a kit car poorly. It's like a Power Wheels. That's his electric car. It's a Power Wheels. To be fair to Elon Musk, though, he has sold a lot of flamethrowers. <laughs> it's like these companies, like these products that PR companies send out and they send it out to influencers. And when you ask them, like, because I get these PRs all the time and they usually, they usually go along the lines of like, we've launched this new like set of headphones or we've launched this new like wearable product. And... It's not really that revolutionary, but what they'll say is that it's being used by influencers like Jake Paul and um, Jake Paul's girlfriend and Can Dance Owens or something like that. (laughs) So you think you can dance Owens? (laughs) That's Um, an amazing reality show. Jake Paul pulling pranks where he just flamethrowers people in the Team 10 house. Um, yeah, this five-year-old kid is on fire. Pranked. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's what I mean. That's what that's what um, that's what Team Ten has basically come down to now. Um, we'll do it like a Jake Paul episode at some point in the future. I really want to do another we have, one. We we are deaf. We definitely owe the public another Jake Paul Team Ten special. But I sent you guys a video, which is like so now Jake Paul and Team Ten and all these influences they're doing like a summer tour where they're basically like holding a team 10 it's kind of like this weird sort of like team 10 pantomime that they're doing around the us and like some guy uh he brought a camera in to film it and it genuinely is is like one of the worst shows even by team 10 standards and you've got parents who are paying like five grand to get their kids to like spend five minutes with like a a drunk and angry jake paul (laughs) um as it has, like he continues to lose members. As he continues to lose members, um, so yeah, everything is also very normal in the Team Ten house. Well, you know where else everything is very normal today, and I think by the time this episode comes out, like things will definitely have been decided. But um, did you know that, like, uh, that that there is a by election going on today in Lewisham East? I only actually follow Lewisham West news, so no, I didn't. I didn't really see this until recently, but. In uh, Lewisham East is now like the the big push for a um, a new fascist party in Britain, which we haven't had for a while. I mean, it sort of feels like we have, but everyone's just too tired to really care. But we haven't had like one that's actually going for elections, right? Like we had the BNP um, that was going for local council elections, but I think they just lost the last of their seats in Barking. So I think they're they don't they don't. How fitting that the BNP's only seat was in a place called Barking. <laughs> You have independent people or like people who set up parties and like they maybe field one or two candidates. And those like tend to be like very minor parties that no one really pays attention to. Um, So in like previous years when like we had a centrist Labour government, um, those types of people would actually be like from left wing groups, right? They'd be like 
you know, they'd be like new like socialist parties and stuff like that. Um, so Anne Marie Waters, she's a former UKIP person. Yep. Um, she's kind of had this history of being part of like every right wing group imaginable. Um, and when uh, when Paul Nussel was leading UKIP and no one had faith in him and he was just like Paul ridiculous. Nussel, the, most, the most heavily busting member of UKIP. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was when the split happened and Anne-Marie like set up her own... Like, well, so actually, no, she was running for UKIP leader and I think Paul Nussel, who had stepped down, basically said, we don't want her to come on because she's too extreme for us, yeah. right? Um which, you know, during our times is like, you know, that's really, that, you know, that's a real indictment. Yeah, she got so, the support of Morrissey. <laughs> so, it's way uh, too extreme. So she set up her own party, which oh, I think is called like yes. For Britain. For Britain and it's basically yeah. just like an offshoot UKIP party. Mm-hmm. The thing with Anne-Marie is that like, I don't necessarily rate her chances at, at, at an electoral level in the sense of like things that have been written about. There's this really good section written about her in Jamie Bartlett's book called Radicals. Mm. where she was trying to set up her own right wing party. And there's loads of anecdotes where basically she just gets pissed out of her head all the time. So like she has this real problem, like controlling herself in public settings. When you say pissed out of her head, you mean she just like constantly walks around drunk because that would be amazing. They were like, (laughs) you know, so, so she like showed up at like a speech, like absolutely off her face. And like Tommy Robinson had to like save her. Um, it's like this really remark, this really remarkable story of like right wing Tommy Robinson just coming out as a true hero once again. <laughs> um, so like, there's a lot of stuff in the background, and this is why I don't necessarily rate her electoral chances. She's not like a good parliamentary candidate. But the point is, is that they know that like going to somewhere like Lewisham, they don't really stand a chance winning, right? But they stand a chance to kick up an enormous amount of press kerfuffle. Yeah, and. You know, so they kind of, they look for these opportunities where like they can say, oh, left-wing groups shut us down. They're shutting down our free speech. They've they've kind of cottoned onto this whole like Tommy Robinson being kidnapped by the League of Shadows and being sent to like, you know. Oh, a, yeah. It's it, like, oh, he's definitely going to get murdered in jail. <laughs> and, and this is actually the deep state's way of executing Tommy Robinson for boldly telling the truth. About, um, you know, about about George Soros's plot to, you know, turn Britain into a parking lot or whatever. <laughs> um, so, oh, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like part of this bigger gambit. I don't know how far it goes, but like it does kind of tell it's this ongoing kind of proliferation of right wing groups. Mm. Um, well, it's like it's like it's like that's one thing the UK is incredible at generating is new fringe right wing parties and new fringe centrist parties. Yeah. Like Chuck Romana is like floating, starting a new centrist party called Together Again. Sounds like a Taylor Swift album. (laughs) Oh fuck! It's like a it's like a Take That tour, (laughs) except Take That tour. You know what it is? It's like it's like you know it's it's like when you have like one of those really big bands in like the nineties or early two thousands, and they go for a reunion tour because they're all broke. Only like half of them show up. So like when they go on stage, it looks ridiculous. It's like it's like if the Blazing Squad like returned, but only four of them were there. And you and the one that like everyone like just like is an accountant who lives in Surrey. Are you like ready that. for the stars of bipartisanship? <laughs> we it's, we it's, have Chris Chuckerman touring the country in a massive bus with Robbie Williams. Except Robbie Williams is now like had so much cocaine and heroin withdrawal that all he can do is sort of lightly dribble in agreement every time Chukaramana says something and he's like together again to a crowd of like three people and a dog like for, 
frontman Vince Cable just comes out on his knees squealing on a guitar being like compromise with the fascists. I mean now there's that whole thing about so there was this re- that really funny thing in the Chaka Amuna story where Anna Subri, mm-hmm. our friend Anna Subri was like we're, like basically implied that she was talking to Chaka regularly, right? Mm. So they were DMing. <laughs> <laughs> Yo Chaka, those these 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 amendments to the withdrawal bill got me feeling some kind of way. <laughs> And Chucka just responds with the uh, with hey, the eyes emoji. Let's take somewhere more private, like the Matt Hancock MP app. And then they're gonna they're and, and then they're gonna give birth to the baby of Remain, which is gonna fight Andrew Adonis's baby of Brexit, which is the <laughs> thing that he said. And he's like, my my children are my child is HS two, but I have to stop the other child Brexit from being born because Andrew Adonis oh, Andrew is Adonis a fucking is genius. Wild. He's like he's like fucking. Um, remember that MSN Messenger bot? Uh, what was it called? Smarter Child, where it would just like respond to you, but it would usually say weird shit because they were like computer generated. Replies. That's what it's like reading Andrew Adonis's tweets. It's like it's a sort of they're like words which vaguely grammatically hang together, but what they're actually saying is completely insane. So logically, like there'll come a point where Andrew Adonis has to become a Nazi. I mean, I don't know if it if he necessarily has to. There, he will capitulate to them gladly. Uh, but yeah. that's the that's the thing is that these these are the people who are saying that they're against extreme in, extremism in Britain, but they're more willing to tolerate sort of Anne Marie Waters. Um, license to run a hateful and Islamophobic campaign in Lewisham East, um, and they're more willing to talk. They're they're more willing to condemn the like, like the basically the left that has come out to actually shut down the hustings, or she was just going to whip up a crowd into a sort of angry frenzy. Like ah, the left is shutting down free speech because we need to. And I think this was this was Jonathan what, what Shannon said on the episode he was on. Right, like ideas are ideas that are spoken in public aren't just pamphlets. They're not just going to then duke it out in some imaginary ba- battle yard of ideas like a Yu-Gi-Oh deck. It has genuine consequences for people, and 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 the pro- and and the 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 basically liberal conception of sort of the ideas in that way is like no, it's more important that Anne Marie Waters is allowed to speak in Lewisham because then all of her like you know chode like supporters are going to see how ridiculous their ideas really are and say ah oh, of course. Ah, why didn't someone tell us the facts? We wouldn't. We're now going to have a principled opposition to I mean, Brexit. It's, like, it's very, it's this very old, like centrist politics, right? Where do you remember, like back in back in the day? Um, and I say back in the day because I'm just tired and I can't, I can't remember like what that even means. But they kind of talk Three about like, ago. you know, Labour has to win elections. That's the whole point. That like they have to win elections. They think about it in very like numerical, systematic terms. So for them, like they don't see like the the kind of cultural battles that like, you know, Anne-Marie Waters and her party are throwing, right? To them, it's like, well, it's not tangible. There's no like numerical outcome. Mm-hmm. So when their objective is literally just to overturn Brexit, and that's what their objective is, right? Mm-hmm. They want to overturn Brexit, whether that's through like a second referendum or whether that's just by cancelling the whole thing. Or remaining through the EEA. Yeah, right. So that's their objective. And they don't really see anything beyond that. And this is actually where like right-wing groups, you know, flare really well which is that like there's not really a lot of people like fighting you know, there's not really a lot of like people who have positions and platforms of power who are paying attention to the culture wars right so you've basically got like right-wing groups who have a lot of money behind them now who have these platforms who are able to kind of control that conversation to the point where like you now have mainstream magazine writers 
and newspapers basically parroting the same lines. And mm. there's not those checks and balances that come with tangible political power because they're too busy living in like some fucking pipe dream where they can, you know, overturn a referendum. Yeah. And the problem with also like the then, the the the, fo- the focus the focus purely on the referendum as a political token, and yeah. also the obsession with um, the obsession with sort of comedy and tone means that for especially for for like even like ostensibly left publications like the guardian ostensibly doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence um they they tend to report on on what people like Anne Marie Waters say because the sort of anyone just saying something that outrageous is therefore outrageous and newsworthy yeah and so in in, in and they they never see this as they never see this as, as as something that has a real chance of winning cuz like well it's so unreasonable despite the fact they don't realize that she's her po- I wonder even like her point here isn't to take a seat in the UK Parliament, although I'm sure she'd love to. I think her point here is that this has given her and her toxic message an enormous amount of news coverage, and once again lets her be painted as the victim. And this is and this has always been the right wing shtick anyway. Like yeah, so, six semper douchebag. You know, whenever like you know all those times when like Tommy Robinson said that he was going to run for Parliament, all these like all the right wing people who have actually tried to do it have failed miserably. Mm-hmm. They've always failed miserably. Mm. And even when they kind of achieve some moderate success in like European parliaments and stuff, like they're just bored by it. They get mm. there and they find that it's really fucking boring and tedious because politics is really fucking boring and tedious. And the way that like right wing, you know, and this is why they're much more comfortable in the culture war. They're much more comfortable whipping up, you know, whipping up controversy. They like seeing protests happen where they can then claim themselves to be victims. They like going on big marches to like free Tommy Robinson, even though they know that he broke the law and this is how the law works, right? You know, this is how they operate. And the problem with like these fucking centrists is that like they seem to, yeah, it goes back to what Chanin said, which is that they live in this imaginary world where like you can basically, like where the best ideas win in this kind of marketplace of ideas because everything has the same kind of value and there's no cultural context behind it. Exactly. Well, yeah, well I think we know I can, the best I, ideas don't win because the best ideas are being suppressed by the Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can speak for all of us when I say I'm so glad to be here working for the Electoral Commission, directing people to polling places in Lewisham East and giving them directions that result in them being at the bottom of the Thames. I mean, I, I have a slight attachment to Lewisham in the sense that I spent much of my teenage years there trying to buy weed. And I say try because <laughs> like, imagine when you're like some like even dorkier, like chump brown kid who like wears oversized corn jack oversized corn hoodies you actually wear an oversized corn I did, hoodie i did i did <laughs> i said so rational to show that I, drug dealer that he's not to be fucked with um and i had like baggy jeans and i had like old beat up like converses and i thought that i was really cool so it's a miracle that we all didn't go alt right huh <laughs> so i you know what I, I think i think i've said this on the show before right which was that like if if I had been that kid, but in the time of Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat and stuff, I would totally be like, you know, swallowing up all the kind of jizz that Sargon of Akkad is like, you know, churning out. I would totally do that. I would I would totally like yeah. be the type of like anti-feminist, um, rational skeptic. That's the thing, in you go, there is no centrism. You either go hard left or hard right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I tried like, I, I I went to Lewisham Market three times to try buy weed, and every single time there was like the same Rasta man who would just basically sell us tea, like tea leaves. Um, so <laughs> we spent like 
30 pounds on like a small bag of tea leaves and had to convince ourselves that it was working. <laughs> um, Getting caffeinated And this is, what, and this is why I'm voting bitch. for Anne-Marie Waters. Yeah, finally, she's going to get good drugs on the streets. <laughs> she's going to get the bad drugs off the streets. <laughs> I would vote for that. It's a very big dick policy. Um, Right, so that's oh, can um, we enact a law where we make drugs legal, but all of the all of the people who sell the drugs have to be like uh, former members of UKIP, like Paul Nuttall <laughs> in his like fucking wind in the willows slash Guy Ritchie outfit, like standing on a street corner, going like, "Oh yeah, no, I actually live in the local area and I sell the drugs." It's like, "Where do you live?" And he's like, "Well, I'm not at liberty to say where I live, but it is in the local area." How long have you lived there? I'm not sure. <laughs> Are you, we are, as British, we're tired of, of Romanian weed dealers coming in and selling their fake weed. <laughs> we want the best of British marijuana. Um, anyway, um, so that's, uh, that's, the, that's the election. That's the goings on in, in Lewisham. Um, well, well, you, know, we, you know what we've not done, Riley? We've not introduced the show. What? We didn't, we've not, we didn't formally start the show at any point. <laughs> Wow, what a what a cold open, guys! <laughs> Introduce ourselves. No, we're going we're so arrogant now. We just assume all the listeners know who we are. Yeah, maybe they're a new listener. Exactly. Hello, new listeners. I'm freeing. A, no, I'm freeing us from the tyranny of having to start the show normally because I can't do it. Basically, I can't say the tongue twister that I've set for myself. Do you, do you want me to do it? No. <laughs> I mean, give it a go. Okay. All right. So it's it's high time. In fact, it's quite late. Twenty six minutes in. To say hello and welcome to Trash Future, the podcast about how if we do not implement fully automated luxury gay space communism, the future is and will be trash. I am Milo Edwards, definitely the main host of this show. You can find me on Twitter at Milo underscore Edwards. Still in Russia, but I'm moving home soon because fuck that shit. Who is joining me, not in this room, but somewhere else? From Greater Serbia. Uh, it's Hussein Kizvani. <laughs> That's um, just anywhere in the world. <laughs> From, from from the from the caliphate of London, not even East London, just London generally. Oh yeah, we've gotten bigger. Um, Tower Hamlets is both the caliphate and the very heart of Serbia. While, <laughs> while you were sleeping, we took over London. We we kept we've paved everything in breeze block mm -hmm. concrete, and it's now a caliphate. <laughs> and and I'm I am Riley, also coming at you from greatest Serbia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rala, R-A-A-L-E-H. Still a bad Twitter handle, but I'm kind of stuck with it at this point. Um, yeah. And uh, okay. Yeah. I guess we can start the show now about halfway through it. God, that was the biggest cold open we've ever done. It even included the theme song. Genius. We're good at this. We're so good at this. An extremely cold um, open. All right. Well, now that we've done the cold open, we have about a half hour left to run through um, a couple of, of hot, hot topics of... of and I'm, uh, which would be, I really lost that sentence, huh? Hot, some hot, juicy, hot, juicy hot goss. Topic. Some hot, some of the sexiest goss. Welcome to the Love Island recap show, <laughs> where we're going to talk about why Aol is not legally alive. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely do think that he um, has, has, has some kind, maybe he has an aphasia. I uh, saw like the best clip from Love Island uh -huh. yesterday, and I think it was Aol, right? I only I I kind of I don't watch it, but I follow it on Twitter. Fucking virtue signaling cuck. Um, because I I only watch documentaries. Um, I only watch documentaries of white novelists because I'm white. Yeah, Riley, um, watching sex is haram. You know this. You're a citizen <laughs> of the caliphate. So, uh, no, I think Al was like he kissed some girl in front of Adam, 
and like the image of like Adam as he just looks while this man with this foreign name steals his steal steals steals the steals the woman that belongs to him. Mm. It's like the purest form of cuckolding, right? I wonder did did Adam do anything though? Was he a legend or was he pissed? I think he was pissed. He was pissed. I think he was pissed, but he didn't do anything. And but yeah, if he you did, know, pissed it, guy never does anything. If he did, if he did do something, he would be a legend. But that's the thing. Now he's fucked it. Now oh. everyone will know him as just like the cuck. Yeah, he's he's just Bad. he's the oh man, what, the things I would have done had the cameras not been on. <laughs> it's like oh man, I totally I totally would have drop kicked him. I would have done some Krav Maga that I totally figured out from watching like three YouTube movies in the Matrix. <laughs> yo, I can totally do yo, neo I've stuff. Been, I've been to Krav Magaloof. I know all that shit. <laughs> Uh, yo, so we got two. We got two two stories that are much more in our Wait, podcast. On, on the subject of being on the subject of being cucked, this is a, a potential great segue. Being cucked by foreigners to what's going on in Russia, RN. Okay. Um, WTF? As a as a resident of uh, the world's greatest federation, run by a shirtless man on a horse, uh, mm. I have I have come into possession of a bit of hot news about the FIFA World Cup that is currently getting started here. Uh, as one of the one of the members of the Russian state parliament, Tamara Plitneva, has released a statement warning Russian women against having sex with visiting foreigners during the summer's FIFA World Cup because they will abandon you and leave you to raise your children alone. Um, <laughs> and then she said, "Well, I guess it, I guess it's okay as long as it's not interracial." <laughs> Before oh, clarifying boy, that she quote unquote is not a nationalist. So they're really worried about Russian guys getting cucked by some foreign guys, some some cool African dudes by, coming by over the, here, by the Iranian cucking the shit out of them. <laughs> the Iranian football team is, of course, the only proper football team to support. <laughs> um, so I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: uh, Let's go, Al Quds. <laughs> the internet, yeah. the, the um, was it the, uh, the 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 Revolutionary Guard defenders. <laughs> Revolutionary goalkeepers. Five hundred rubles on the revolutionary guard to get to the semifinals. I mean, I can't wait for like Iran to like win one game, and everyone's like. Actually, what I'm very excited about is for when when the Yemen team goes up, and you realize that it's all just the Iranian team again. (laughs) 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 And then the but then the Saudi team just like tries to beat them from the air. I mean, Saudi and Russia are playing the first game. Oh, that's going to be some electric football. And I'm pretty conflicted over who to support. Because I'll tell you who wasn't conflicted over who to support. The previous U.S. administration. What? I mean, they kind of were. I mean, they were much more in line with Saudi Arabia. If we support Russia, then we're going to have Eric Garland having a normal one. Like, it's only a matter of time before while. Like, he's going to, he's going to like live tweet through the whole match to talk about how like the Russian team are actually some sort of like psyops operation. Yeah, the, 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 how the, the Russian national anthem is actually going to play the brown note to make everyone shit themselves in the audience <laughs> to distract from all the democracy they're undermining. Hell yes, yeah. I think that very much is something Eric Garland would will think. Be prepared. Um, but the Saudis, they have, you know, the new, the new boy, uh, Mohammed bin Salman. Oh, it's true. Um, he, and he, he is like the white coke of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> they are of a comparable size. So in a lot of ways, MB- he kind MBS of fits actually with stands for Mohammed be shopping. <laughs> He fits within our like our, our extended canon, so I'm sort of conflicted. A big fancy prince. <laughs> I'm sort of conflicted, but I think I might throw my money behind our big, the big fancy prince. Okay, all right. Well, mm. uh, look, I'm I'm saving all of my cheering energy. You all know what that means for when Iran comes on, so that finally the 1979 revolution can be triumphant over the entire world in the field of glory. 
football. Um, so yeah, I got two more two more things I wanna I wanna run through. Shall we do those two things? I mean, yes, you oh, don't yeah. really have much of a choice. The old la- the old woman's curse still lingers on you. Yeah, yeah, shit. Um, so two two things uh, happened in Seattle today, um, which is that. Another noise band was formed. <laughs> yeah. More post rock out of Seattle. <laughs> More song structure. The protesters cry. Have verses and choruses. Stop just doing. Stop doing math with your guitar. Basically, there was going to be uh, proposed by the C- Seattle City Council a tax levied on sort of very large, especially technology employers, but not all. So that includes Starbucks as well, Amazon, and so forth. A tax of five hundred dollars per employee, I believe, per year to help fund homeless services in the city. And uh, Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos, and his company, of course, um, have absolutely destroyed that particular tax. Um, the company, in fact, halted construction on a new tower and suggested that it might simply leave Seattle should they pass that ordinance. So. The reason that's hilarious, the reason that's hilarious is that the same day, the very same day, Jeff Bezos is also going to be getting into the philanthropy space by launching two new projects that have been suggested to him on Twitter. Though he hasn't said what they are. Um, So this is... Oh, hell yeah. They're totally going to be like charities to buy ponies for underprivileged white girls who only have one Mercedes or some shit. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're not really far off. Um, based on 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 sort of Bezos's philanthropic history and what sort of philanthropy represents in general, um, but what's Jeffrey Kiss uh, has been up to with his philanthropy? Well, he's um. This is where the irony comes in. Actually, some of his uh, mu- sort of much heralded uh, philanthropic activities have included um a million dollars, which you know very little to him, to a Seattle homeless shelter. Jeffrey Kisses is playing like eighth dimensional chess here. Like, because on the one hand, he's like, no, we're not going to fund the homeless. And if you make us fund the homeless, we'll stop building this very nice tower over here. And what do towers mean? Homes. And what's that good for? The homeless. And then on another <laughs> level, like Jeffrey, Jeffrey Kisses is actually already paying the homeless because as we know, many of the people who work for Amazon are actually homeless. So who is this guy? You know, he's like the fucking Ra's al Ghul of like corporate America. <laughs> Everything is a League of Shadows. Well, it's that like it's 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 all false flag. He's Liam Neeson. <laughs> well, I mean, this, He's this, the chick who's with Bane. This should just like genuinely, genuinely just absolutely tear any mask off of sort of wealth, wealthy wealth that philanthropy is anything other than at best a smokescreen and at worst a, a cynical. Um, it, it, because if Jeff Bezos genuinely wanted to help the homeless, he would not just you know give some pittance comparatively, uh, to one local shelter, because that really is just not structural change. Um, Hmm. This is someone who makes more in a minute than most people will see in their lifetimes. And he does that particularly by making it so that the the median salary for Amazon employees is $28,000. You know, he's making it so that it's actually it's inc- and that's the median that includes like a lot of sort of upper tier professionals. Most of the people working for him, as Milo said, many of them are homeless. A lot of them shit in diapers. Many of them are also being subsidized by food. Yeah, that's banks. people who work for Elon Musk. Come on, let's let's be fair. <laughs> These are like people. Amazon's who- not about efficiency; it's about poverty. Elon Musk is about efficiency. 
the whole Amazon business model relies on people working in warehouses for like longer periods of time, faster. You know, they, you know, Amazon is famously like, you know, anti unionization, like anti unionization. Shocking. Uh, mm. You know, and this is kind of what, and then when we talk about philanthropy, well, this kind of goes back to like this kind of weirdly, you know, I guess we sort of expect it, you know, this kind of antipathy towards the state, right? Where, you know, you have this argument of, well, you could do a lot of good just by paying the correct amount of tax, right? Mm. You know, so that you yeah. can help build better cities. Well, like, that's boring. You know, well, the key is, is when it's- boneheaded idea. When wealth redistribution happens through tax rather than philanthropy, it happens in a way that, you know, at least nominally, the people who are supposed to be the beneficiaries of it might have some chance of controlling. Yeah. You know, um, in fact, look, specifically- guys, we need to give Jeff a positive suggestion for going forward. What I suggest is, you know, instead of giving a pitiful amount to a homeless shelter, it's not going to do any good. What Jeff Bezos should be doing, he should be embracing wild sponsored stunts to raise awareness of homeless. What I'm saying is no philanthropy, fuck philanthropy, but say yes to philanthropy January. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is also Jeff Bezos busting for a piss, but knowing that every minute he doesn't piss raises like $40,000 for the homeless. <laughs> Well, it's the what what really kills me about this is that Amazon joined Starbucks and other local employers to fund a group called No Tax on Jobs that raised over three hundred thousand to pay for signature gatherers for a referendum to repeal this head tax, right? And then the no their tax st- January. Their statement was today's vote by the Seattle City Council to repeal the tax on job creation is the right decision for the region's economic prosperity. But which is ironic because they're campa- campaigning for no tax on jobs. When in fact, much of their wealth is actually gathered by charging workers a massive tax on most of what they produce and giving them back a pittance in the form of wages. And so what they're really saying is, no, let us keep our tax on jobs that we levy uh, and we don't want you to control any of it. Go off, King. And, and, And then, I mean, one, fortunately, like at least... Anytime Jeff Bezos tweets out that he wants to do philanthropy, at least at least the one the one small thing is that at least he is, gets ratioed into the dark ages. Like at least there's that. <laughs> My God, Jeff, what's going on in there? Uh, philanthropy, philanthropy. At this time of day, at this time of year, localized entirely within your 19th century style workhouse. Yes. <laughs> May I see it? May I see it? No. <laughs> um. Right and. Then there is, and you, what you have to remember also is like, is a lot of the donations they do make are incredibly cynical. So like, be, re, one, one in, in last June, Bezos made a donation that garnered some headlines, giving thirty three million for college scholarship to the so called Dreamers, the uh, undocumented or illegalized immigrants who came to the U S. as children. Yeah. Right, like, oh, and, and he's ah yes, I'm being I'm being very woke. I'm helping people succeed, but again. When you fund college scholarships, when you fund education, when you're basically teaching kids to code, all you're really doing is subsidizing the creation of your own labor force. Look, guys, I funded education for a lot of people. Okay, were some of those people dwarves who I trained to do the Alexa voice so they could climb inside a giant Alexa that I have in my house and satisfy my every demand? Yes, but why is that important? (laughs) They're getting jobs. Why don't you want these people to get jobs as my personal Alexa voice? This is like, this is the argument that people who defend these guys say, right? They're kind of saying that, you know, you shouldn't criticize, you know, you shouldn't criticize guys like Bezos and Musk and stuff because at least they're creating jobs. 
especially in like this kind of weird Trump economy where like one of the very few defenses that pro-Trump people have is that, oh, well, you know, the employment rate has kind of gone up. Mm-hmm. And we don't really interrogate that by saying, well, who are like the biggest drivers of employment? How much of that employment is long-term? How much of that employment is like fucking stable? And the answer is like none of it because it's all like within this kind of well, weird Amazon-like system. In fact, that's, that's one of the reasons that uh, recently the, a chart was released and, you know, I, I invite any, any wonks who listen to this show to correct me. Um, but where we saw that sort of the, the unemployment rate in the UK is sort of trending downward, but wages have stayed exactly the same. Yeah. So all that means is that more people are now paying a tax on their jobs to a smaller and smaller number of you know, oligarchs who more or less control everything and then sort of make very big sort of public displays of giving some of it back. So and, and they don't they're not really even giving it back. I cannot sympathize with living in country where all jobs are controlled by oligarchs who give none of this money back to the people. I cannot <laughs> imagine what this would and, be like. And it's not and that's the, the issue with philanthropy is that when they give it back to the people, they're not giving it back, they're buying something. Just so just like and they get to and they get to take their sort of bizarre twisted hyper alienated and individualized worldview and then they get to say well now, because I'm Bill Gates, I'm funding your entire school system. Everybody gets to learn my kind of math. You know, where we're, we're all of a sudden it becomes caping for billionaires. And finally, if, if, and coming, almost coming back around to it, this idea that we need these people to fund things, we need these people to create jobs. Do you really, if you're a city and your decision to sort of create a, create a tax that would make your incredibly unequal city slightly more fair gets basically destroyed by Amazon? Why do you want them in your town? Why are you willing to basically pay them to come to your town? Why are you willing to embarrass yourself just so basically you can come and, oh, please, Mr. Musk, take Mr. Musk, Mr. Bezos. I fucking keep confusing these guys. Please take control of my city from me. You know, this is where the Bane voice comes in. Give, give me a zero percent yeah. unemployment rate, but also a zero wage rate. Let's go back to something fucking pharaonic. I, I'm, I'd like. I really like because this is a polite podcast. I'd really even when Riley mixes up their names, he still refers to them respectfully. I'd like. I'd, I'd like to go back to the Middle Kingdom, please. And the and the and the woke liberals are just going to point out and be like, no, but you have Hetzepshit. That was a female pharaoh. <laughs> I think Elon Musk is better than Jeff Bezos, isn't he? Like Jeff Bezos is like evil, whereas Je- Elon Musk is more just like fucking dumb and annoying and like is bad, but like. Like Amazon is like full like wage slavery shit, whereas Tesla is more like the absurd like Laurel and Hardy accidents that happen in their factories and like bizarre like hatred of unionization because then their workers won't be able to shit I'm themselves. I'm willing to guarantee that Elon Musk has said like "uh oh, spaghettio," <laughs> just like unironically. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what it is is Elon. I, I we talk about it. Elon Musk is Willy Wonka, whereas Jeff Bezos <laughs> is a Disney villain. <laughs> Like Elon Musk is like is like a rolled doll hero where he does still kill a bunch of people, but he is kind of whimsical. <laughs> Whereas Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk is the candlestick from Beauty and the Beast. Whereas Jeff, <laughs> Whereas Je- Jeff Bezos is just basically like trying to get enough workers together that he can sort of sacrifice them all at once and drink in their soul energy. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that was an anime. Yeah. I'm just trying to no, figure that's out what the, anime it's, it was. It's, he's the Jeff Bezos is the Warhammer Forty Thousand Emperor. And, and Elon Musk is just Willy Wonka. <laughs> Willy Wonka, but a chocolate factory where there are just constant accidents. Well, that is Willy oh Wonka. There God. are constant accidents two, in the Willy Wonka the factory. Two of the guests drowned in the chocolate river. 
But they're fine, right? Like no, no, they're, they're dead. I have a strong feeling we've done this bit before. <laughs> I think we have, yeah. They have a river of molten steel in the Tesla yeah, vacuum. Yeah, it's we like, did. Mr. Musk, that's impressive, but it looks very dangerous. Like, no, no, it's not dangerous. Don't be ridiculous. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I wanted to I want to talk about one one more one more um thing. Uh, which is also another another just big cartoonish just evil shit out of Silicon Valley, but it's not so much the Emperor from Warhammer forty thousand evil. It's like mini boss evil. Um so, also by the way, didn't did we we got an Elon Musk theme tune, didn't we? Oh yeah, we did. He sting you with his dreams of power and wealth. Beware us. His twisted twin obsessions are his blood to rule the world and his employees' health. He welcome you into his land. So, uh, you guys are, are familiar with Palmer Lucky, right? Oh, fuck yeah. This was so good. <laughs> and, 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 and his, again, he's this guy feels a bit like a sort of mini reactionary Elon Musk. Um, because he is basically this gives this guy that started Oculus, the VR company that hasn't been used yeah, for yeah. anything, uh, was bought by Facebook for two billion dollars for no reason and hasn't been used for anything. Mm. Um, who has now started a company called Anduril, which is just the fucking nerdiest, dumbest shit that I've ever seen because it's just a Lord of the Rings reference. Um, and. He is trying to become a hyper startup Silicon Valley national security contractor uh, for Trump's America. Ah, good. Normal. Because I know. I mean, this was. This, why did, this why do like- all the chuds like the Lord of the Rings? Because <laughs> like, I don't know a lot about the Lord of the Rings, but as far as I can tell, it's a story about a bunch of little people banding together to take on like an evil empire run by like all powerful ghouls and eventually destroying them. Which sounds like. Like that just that's the Republicans, isn't it? Like people who are motivated by nothing but absolute spite. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that is how these guys see themselves, because like they see themselves as the sort of defenders of of the tradition of the Enlightenment against you know the SJ Dubs who all read like you know Adorno and Horkheimer and now want to destroy capitalism via culture, yeah, and tweeting and YouTube. But I think what I was going to say was going that, like. like I don't like these hobbits. Very sad. Very small people. <laughs> tiny penises, right? Okay. They couldn't have had sex with some of the women I had sex with in the early 90s. All right. Now, put a Big Mac into my eye. <laughs> what I was going to say was that, like, tech companies have sort of, they kind of became close to the Trump administration even before he came into power, right? And one of the biggest tech companies who had got involved with this were actually drone companies, civilian mm. drone companies who were initially building drones with cameras on them just for, like, civilian use. And it was an, like Jake Paul. <laughs> and we were in a situation where like, you know, the, like the drone market basically become oversaturated because it's really easy to build one. And it's really easy to get a cheap camera and put it on. So you've got all this technology and we're like, well, you too can bomb the Yemen. Well, you know, so what, what can you do with it? So what they were doing was that, well, they realized that the Trump administration with lots of the neocons back in people who like wanted tentatively to have small government were basically putting out contracts again. Mm -hmm. They were putting out contracts for tech companies to come in and basically take over national security. So the first iteration of that was surveillance drones. But obviously now, you know, this is a this is a situation that sort of falls into that realm, but it's due with the border war. Yeah. So what what Lucky has done essentially, because he is a MAGA guy. Yeah. He is a like mid twenties MAGA guy. 
Uh, Nate, please play Lucky by Madonna. <laughs> he is he has created a a salute a basically a high tech solution to the border wall with Mexico in the United States, where uh, this the technology is called Lattice, and it essentially uses uh, some some high speed cameras uh, and augmented reality via um, I think sort of any any sort of you know, like a like any PC or even iPhone, mm. uh, and what it does is it basically detects Helps you to make one of the best pie crusts ever. <laughs> mm. it, and what it does is it's basically set up sort of towers and towers and towers. Uh, right now, only near San Diego because it's being piloted. Uh, that it basically detect any movement along the border and identify like whether it's an an animal or a yeah. human or a a a guard, and then it alerts you to movement. So that basically it becomes more or less impossible uh, to walk across this border without being seen. This is, of course, not at all terrifying. Dreamy oh, more. God, yeah. I, I love the article I read about it. I don't know which ones you read. I just like Googled it up. And there was some guy from Wired who went down to Texas to interview this guy. And uh, they're showing him like they give him like a demonstration. and They make this guy put on like a VR headset. And then some sort of like some guys and like some animals like walk across like the field like a mile away from them. And then he like looks and the and the headset just tells him like what they what they are like person, animal. And then he's like, oh, yeah, shit, this is interesting. Although this man has troubling political views. And then I'm just imagining like this becoming like a sort of weird porn hybrid where it's like, oh, look, there's a person over there, but with huge tits. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, Trump's gonna have it reconfigured so it just is like uh, six, 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 ten. There's a ten. There's a ten over there. <laughs> T- Terminate a vision for women I could have had sex with in the nineties. <laughs> Except they've been very unfair to me. <laughs> um, hell yeah, so that's it's- Pamela Anderson. Okay, yeah, she's crossing the border illegally. Yeah, do it, you dirty slut. <laughs> um, yeah. So largely, and again, it's the thing that you have to remember is right, like the the. You put this in the context of people who believed basically that sort of the development of technology, the basically liberal assumption um, that the development of technology was going to be more or less liberatory, that it was going to more or less make our lives better, and put that in the context now of with a very, very cheap solution, um, a sort of young, well-educated tech CEO, because he is all of those things, is now essentially sort of able to facilitate um, ICE. Uh, or, or CPB or whoever is purport- patrolling that particular area um, is able to create and sort of, if you like, um, fill what are increasingly going to be concentration camps for illegal immigrants in the states. Like the fact that the fact that anyone would see that would see this process as largely one of liberation, or sort of, you know, as would see this as sort of history moving forward rather than an enormous reactionary stab in our collective backs. Is completely baffling to me, and the the fact that sort of and and I noticed like in the in the in the wire now the wired piece is, um, the to the to the to the author's credit in the wired piece it is actually relatively skeptical of of luck of what Lucky is mm-hmm. doing. It is, it's not or at least it may not be skeptical, but it's not fawning. Um, but he you yeah, do that's he, true. You no, do he get, does he raises some objections. Yeah. But you get there are the quotes of people who are testing out this border system who are watching like immigrants get captured in real time 
are, are their only reaction is this is well, beyond cool. I just think it's so fitting that in in 2018 we're going to have a Gestapo staffed by gamers. Like <laughs> I mean, it's the corny I mean, VR interface. It's going to be a bunch of neckbeards in their mum's basement being like, "Hell yeah, another Mexican immigrant down." I hate myself for saying this, and I'm sorry in advance, right? But like this is there was an episode of Black Mirror which was exactly like this. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's true. Okay. I didn't want to bring it up. I know that we're very like sensitive about what it. If, what if your Mexican <laughs> well, immigrant was a phone? No, I mean the 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 episode the episode um was about the U.S. Army and basically like how um these new recruits these like s- soldiers were basically who were brought up to basically fight. They had been kind of injected with a serum, which meant that like the way that they saw what was initially perceived to be zombies that they were supposed to kill, right? So the idea being that these zombies had taken over and they were killing human beings. The only way you could get rid of them was by um, killing them and the way that these soldiers saw the zombies. But then as you go towards the end of the episode, what we realized was that these people are actually like, they are migrants um, who were considered to be unclean, considered to all these, like, all the kind of like dehumanizing language that we see with like refugees at the moment, that was applied to this group. But they were basically physically dehumanized. And the idea being that like the only way you could get these soldiers to kill someone who looked like them, who looked like a human being, was to actually dehumanize it and turn it into a game, right? So you've got mm-hmm. soldiers who in this episode who literally see this as a game. They record how many kills they have, and depending on how many kills they get will translate to what reward they're given by the system. And that might be like a really sexy wet dream or something like that. It's a very strange episode, which like of not a particularly strong series, I think was actually one of the better episodes, Mm. but wait, are you sure that was a black mirror episode and not the film American sniper? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I haven't seen American sniper, but I heard a lot about like the fake baby. Um, (laughs) Like the toy baby what? that was used. No, that was Andrew Adonis' secret fifth child. <laughs> when when, when a local person gets Chris Kyle pregnant and he's forced to raise it on his own. <laughs> That's the thing. And we see... Milo, you, stop reading the titles of my erotic fiction. You, you kind of see even like in testimonials of like drone... <laughs> <laughs> you see even of like testimonials oh, and drone pilots, yeah. right? Fucked in the Levant. <laughs> Which is like these drone pilots, they kind of, they operate as if they were playing a video game. Hmm. And they train on video game software. And mm. the idea being that if you kind of just like think about it in very numerical terms, if you think about it in terms of like beating your personal best and best records and stuff like that, then you don't have to worry about all the other like moral implications of war because it doesn't feel like war. Well, this is just, it, I mean, it's this really to me what this feels like is just another step that was kind of not started, but that you can see in LA policing in the 1970s. When instead of saying, yeah, I arrested that guy, they began talking in this hyper bureaucratic technical cop speak. Yeah, and say, uh, yeah, the uh, the uh, male status too had been perpendicularized, uh, three shots to the upper lateral torso region, and I moved in to uh, apprehend tactically, like this kind of shit, right? Like because instead of having to say I shot a guy, you can say, oh well, there was an officer involved shooting in which blah 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 blah, and you reduce, and you reduce it to a process, right? Yeah. So you basically kind of like. Even even in even in kind of the mode of your occupation, whether you're a police officer, an army officer, um, someone who kind of just works in kind of, you know, any form of security, right? You basically remove yourself from the fact that you're a human being mm. and that moral like moral implications also apply to you. It goes back to that whole thing of just like I was just following orders, mm. right? 
Well, and, and it gives it a language yeah, you to are, do so. You are a machine until you find a 12-year-old black child incredibly scary <laughs> because he's holding a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Uh, sir, it was sorry. actually a very powerful Yu-Gi-Oh card. Yeah, I just, I, I was worried I might activate his trap card. Um, well, that's the thing is like, is what, what, what we're looking at here is that there's more abrogation of responsibility. And once you give something to the market, then you have the sort of turbification of abdication of responsibility yeah. because Palmer Lucky and his, you know, and his like, like, like zombie vampires in, that are in this Anduril company with him that all like to pretend to be Elrond and jack off in the mirror. Um, they're all saying, well, we're just providing a service that the American government wanted and we're doing it as well as we could. Yeah. And everyone working for him is like, well, my job is just to identify the guys and call the guys at CPB, the guys at an ICE or whatever. Are like, well, we were just following orders. And all of that logic, when, the, when, when that logic of, well, everything is instrumentalized is um, animated by a fundamentally, you know, egregious moral judgment, which is that, you know, migrants to the United States are subhuman, then everyone is complicit. Every single person, the people who develop this technology are complicit. All of their employees are complicit. All of their this investors when, are complicit. Mark Zuckerberg is, is complicit. Deep down that Palmer Lucky is actually very principled and he has this secret list of Mexicans that he's giving legitimate jobs in the US so that ICE <laughs> can't take them away. Only, only, only to get a tax that means that all, mm -mm, no, he has to fund the homeless now. Um, so actually, this this actually leads me, I think, to um, I was I I jumped on Andrew's website, and their founding statement is very, very, very telling. They say our founders were shaped by the post nine eleven era in which America's sense of invulnerability was punctured. They continued to be motivated by the sense of national purpose that arose that day. They come from different backgrounds, have different political views, and took their own paths to Andrew. But they share a belief in the duty of American companies to step up and solve crucial national security problems. <laughs> These guys are literally oh, yes, doing the national security problem of like poor men, women, and children trying to well, find a better life in the I mean, U.S. You know, the, the, this is essentially a very respectable way of Famous restating nine eleven doers, the Mexicans. Well, that's the thing. This is a very respectable way of restating the common um, reactionary talking point that that jihadis are bringing across Mexican immigrants. This is literally the plot of Steven Seagal's novel, but made into a company. <laughs> oh, hell yes. 2018, having a normal one. Yeah, we're just, we're all here having a normal one in 2018. If only a new centrist party would rise up and free us from all this madness. <laughs> oh my God. Like, it's just people like Palmer Lucky, I don't even really find them funny anymore because it's so... I'm just so tired of them. It's like, they're just such, it's ironic that like, the, the, he's a chud, isn't he? He's like a full on Ooh. Trump person that they like calling other people Palmer Lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. That they like calling other people cucks and they're just the most like little cuck bitches ever. They're just like, oh, I've developed this new technology that will enable us to like shoot a Mexican baby even, even for an even greater distance than before. It's like, what are you doing with it? Like, how do you like... How do you consider yourself to be like living any kind of li like how what, what kind of worldview does this person have that they're like, oh, yeah, this is something I'm doing. This is like just g go home and like take too many sleeping pills. I don't know. I just don't understand these people. Well, the, the worldview is the is of, of uniting the two, the alloy of Silicon Valley libertarianism and the belief that sort of because it's extraordinarily hierarchical, the belief that there are the people who are billionaire geniuses who actually need to shape how society grows and who need to step in and solve every problem. And then there are the chuds who just take all their rules. But I think that's actually about time for us today 
on this episode of Trash Future that we started 30 minutes into the episode. Whoops. <laughs> Maybe we'll get it next time. It's avant-garde, bitch. Look it up. <laughs> yep, longest Wikipedia cold. Wikipedia, that shit. And so thank you for enjoying our episode with the longest cold open ever. Uh, and remember, uh, don't buy things on Amazon because you're just contributing to Elon Musk's... Fu- Elon Musk... Fuck! <laughs> <laughs>